welcome back everybody to the long-awaited fifth episode. Yes, the long-awaited fifth episode. It's been a while. You know, Thanksgiving break uh, definitely threw a little bit of, uh, you know, wrenches into the mix, if that makes any sense. I don't know if it does. Uh, I'm joined here always by uh, Jack. And if you guys want to know, we are recording this after USA lost to Netherlands. And Jack, let me hear your opinions on that. I... It was just a difficult game to watch because I thought that – so, first of all, all credit to the Netherlands. They played extremely well. They did what they had to do. But there were I feel like there were just so many chances that the U.S. had. In the second minute, that shot, I'm pretty sure it was by Pulisic. Yeah, it was Pulisic. It was right off the perfect opportunity to start the game strong, get momentum on your side, can't finish. And – yeah. Yeah, it's just and then the I feel like there were some decisions by Burhalter in that game that were just completely ridiculous. I think Hanji Wright has no place on this team after his performance against Iran. And even though he did get credited with the goal, he did not score that goal. Let's be real. <laughs> so those, yeah. those are just my thoughts. Yeah, you know. As someone who only watches like soccer when it's the World Cup, I don't have like a lot of in-depth analysis that I can give. But you know, I thought I thought you know like we're a young team and we just didn't have that veteran presence, and mm-hmm. we don't have enough forwards with the confidence to shoot and finish. I mean, McKenny just Weston McKenny every time he shot missed the net mm-hmm. over the bar m- multiple games. Pulisic is the only one with with confidence to shoot, and even he doesn't shoot it that much. He'll do one too many passes, or he'll do he'll do one too many dribbles. And there was a lot of like times there in the in the fun, in the waning minutes of that game where you just kind of question the the choices. Especially, I don't remember who it was, but he was on a run and the net was wide open, and he like did a terrible touch on the ball and yeah. it, was, it was bad and i think in that that situation is where you missed matt Sargent a lot him being injured yeah. and not being available was a big loss yeah i just thought i thought that burhalter's decisions were weird i thought not playing geo reyna was was weird i think I saw a report. I don't know the credibility of the report, but Gio Reyna was injured in the first game, and Burhalter told him to tell the reporters that he wasn't well enough to go in the first game. Reyna didn't go along with it, and Burhalter and him got into a little bit of a disagreement, and Burhalter didn't play him at all. The thing is, it's the World Cup. You have to put those personal grudges aside. Yeah. Yeah, so that um, I do think that USA has has a bright future. I think once these guys, you know, they get a couple more World Cups under the or one or two more World Cups under the belt, we'll get that veteran presence. We'll get that. We'll get that confidence to finally shoot. And and all these players are, you know, in European leagues. Hopefully, they'll they'll shore up their skills in those in the European leagues um, more. Mm-hmm. So we're ready for next time. Yeah, and that home advantage in 2026 will definitely be big for the U.S. as well. Yeah, it sucks. I was looking at the I was looking at the um, 2026 like 
uh, places where they were playing. Mm-hmm. And DC isn't on on there, which which kind of sucked. And I thought it was especially egregious considering that DC, the DC area, was the number one like area where people watched the England US game the most. Mm-hmm. And the report was, was that. The report, and I don't again. I don't know the credibility of this report. The report was that Kraft bought it away from DC to put it in Foxborough. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is like, you, I'd want it to be in DC, but you you would have to play in Audi Stadium, which is kind of in the outskirts. That's where DC United plays, and then they were they were know, gonna play. They were gonna play in Landover. Yeah, no, no one wants to go. Yeah, no one wants to go to FedEx Field and and watch them play in that shitty stadium so yeah kind of makes sense they had they had uh the uh, el clasico at at fedex field once and that was that was really weird but yeah. you know i think that's enough soccer chat um <laughs> let's get into hockey you know that's why that's why uh most everybody's here and the last time we recorded this episode i was very mad with the penguins however since then, we've had a sort of bit of a bounce back. Um, we're le- we're six two and two as of this recording. If you know my record keeping or looking at the Penguin schedule <laughs> was correct, and uh, practically what happened is we actually made some changes that I was begging in the last rant that I made. Uh, Crosby was put on the line with Raquel, and Rust was moved to the second line with Malkin and Zucker, and Carter was put on the third line. And I really like seeing those adjustments being made. We also made Paling a, a roster mainstay, which is something I wanted. And we also healthy scratched Kapanen, which I, I was calling for. However, he got the game-winning goal um, in the game in Vegas a couple nights ago. Um, back from being scratched, it seems like he got the message. It's been sent that he needs to kind of get his act together. I mean, we signed you for a contract extension almost inexplicably, a $3 million contract extension. Um, but he kind of needs to get his act together. And I, I also saw a thing saying that Hextall gave Kapanen the contract because he got a girlfriend and thought it would set him straight, which if that's the reason that he gave him the contract, I mean, holy shit, that's like Hextall can't sound more like a, like a disappointed dad, like giving his son, like the fourth chance that, you know, he doesn't deserve because like he got a girlfriend. That's, I mean, that's an insane reason. I mean, he did. Seems sport, like something Mike Milbury would do. Uh, uh, it's it's just like it's not nepotism because he's not related but it's it's crazy like you got a girlfriend we think we think you get like what the fuck are you talking about that's not a reason to give some guy a three million dollar contract extension especially when he's a third line fourth minor at best it's crazy yeah i do not understand that idea yeah but uh, listen we're, my shaky team is being shaky right now, but the Boston Bruins are, are are world beaters right now. Yes, eight and one since that last recording, the lone loss to Paul Maurice's Florida Panthers. And um, it's just basically rolling right through everybody. We're the best in the league on the points percentage. We're one point back of New Jersey, but they've played two more games. And I don't really see this train stopping anytime soon. I mean, I think the two the two big things were Brad Marchand coming back early and Charlie McAvoy coming back early. Because now you bring in two with Marchand, it's a, especially a veteran presence. McAvoy's also been around a while. You bring in 
two players who have proved that they want to be here. They want to, they're working hard to get back early. And I just think that speaks to the culture of the locker room, which is just incredible this year. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's crazy that, that the Bruins have been as good as they are with Marshawn not playing, you know, exactly his, Mm -hmm. his best brand of hockey. Yeah. It's, I think it's very easy in this league to kind of start out hot as we did and then slow down a little bit, but that hasn't been happening for Boston. Yeah. But we, yeah. we do have some tough games coming up. Colorado tonight, when you're listening mm-hmm. to the podcast, you'll hear how you'll know how that game went. And then Vegas, Colorado away, Arizona, which is a throwaway game, and then Vegas away. But that's four tough games in the next five. Mm-hmm. Still. Yeah, and uh, sticking with Boston, um, you're a noted uh, you're a noted uh, Jack Edwards apologist. Uh, how do you feel? I, I wouldn't say. How do you apologist. feel about? How do you feel about him continuing his legacy of being a very noteworthy local broadcaster because he is a bad human being. He body sh- he body shamed Pat Maroon. Um, I for one don't think as egregious as people are making it out to be, but it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. I was watching that game live when it happened. I was just sitting sitting here, looking at my TV up here, chilling, watching the game, and then I just hear hockey game for four hours. That's the long, that's called a diet. And I'm like, what? What the fuck? And the, the thing is, something – this isn't even to the, speaking to these comments. I feel like something's been off with Jack Edwards the whole year. Yeah. He just, even normally, he act, he at least has some sort of semblance of decent calling of games. But this year, I don't know what it's been. He's been – I feel like he's been sluggish. He's been behind the play. Yeah. yeah. Some people are suspecting that he could be out after this year. That's the case. I mean, yeah. Job, please. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's definitely getting up there in age. I don't know exactly, uh, you know, how old he is, but again, I don't think this is one of his most egregious calls. But it's 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 weird because uh, Maroon has been open about his 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 you know issues with 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 body image and and all of that, and it's just, I mean. He's in the corner. He's having a he's having a great puck battle, and Jack Edwards doesn't comment on that. He goes, he goes, yeah. Uh, Pat Maroon was two hundred thirty eight pounds before, uh, blah 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 before uh, practice. Yeah. He's definitely had a few pizzas before then. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was like, I was like, dude, like, what? Like, you know that Maroon has issues with with body image, and that he had he. Maroon has, you know, poked fun at his weight, at, at his weight before, and I just think it's 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 a weird comment to be making, especially since Maroon is a three-time Cup winner, which Edwards did mention after the comment, and Maroon, I, I mean, it's just it's absurd. I don't think Edwards needs to apologize. I don't think he he needs to resign. I don't think he needs to get fired, but it's just another list on a long list of reasons why people don't like Jack Edwards. And then another thing I have to say is this guy's poking fun at, at hockey players 
and he gets mad when people make fun of him on Twitter. He tweeted out something uh, when the Bruins won the Stanley Cup and was like, I can't wait to get like my ring. And then someone responded like, yeah, you're getting the same ring that concession stand workers and like all these other like like non-important people to the team are going to get. And he blocked the guy on Twitter. So, yeah. Um, so he did release a quote to the athletic Fluto Shinzawa, who's our beat reporter for the athletic. Mm-hmm. Um, just pulling from that a little bit quote. It was a lighthearted attempt to point out that Pat Maroon, who I also regularly praise for his camaraderie with teammates throughout the years, uses his size to be a difficult competitor. Yeah, I mean that just sounds like, I mean he someone told him to say that. Yeah, I mean it's 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 weird because like he doesn't mention that at all. He doesn't mention like oh he uses his size to an advantage. He just pokes fun at yep. his size. So I, I I don't get it. Um, but like I like I said already, I don't think it's I don't think it's as bad as people are making it out to be. But and I definitely think it's getting more media attention because Maroon went on to Twitter and, and made a donation to um, some anti-bullying thing. I, I'm not 100% sure what the charity was, but he made a donation to anti-bullying thing, uh, and he put uh, Jack Edwards as the name for mm-hmm. of the donation. So I think that's the one reason why this has gotten yeah. as much attention as it has. And I think... Um, we should uh, move on, move on. I'm sorry, this is like the worst transition I could have ever made in my yeah. life. Just can saying, I just make on. one more comment on it? Real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the other thing that the other people that tweeted out was my least favorite Twitter account in hockey. That would be the Carolina Hurricanes. Oh, I like the Hurricanes Twitter. It's funny. I do not like the Hurricanes Twitter because their target is us. Um, but one of the things they said on their Twitter was that they encourage. Carolina Hurricanes fans to donate in spite of Jack Edwards. Similarly. Yeah, I did see it. It was like some number, right? It was like some number because it was nineteen dollars. Yeah, which I believe is Pat Maroon's number. I thought it was like, yeah, I remember seeing the tweet. It was like donate nineteen dollars because like Jack Edwards hates hates that number or something weird like that. Well, Pat Maroon's not. Oh, I know what it is. 2019 was the first time Pat Maroon won the Stanley Cup and he won it against Boston. Okay, yeah. <sighs> it, was, it was some job at Jack Edwards. I do remember that. And with that being said, let's move on to uh, Matt Murray uh, knocking the goal uh, off three times in one game, all when the Wild had scoring chances, might I add. Let's, let's get uh, your opinion on that. Okay, so I'm not going to come out here and say that Matt Murray egregiously cheated and intentionally moved the goal off. I assume you're going to say that in a second, but no. No. Um, so, it first of all, I read something I read. Again, don't know how credible this is. Oh. Said that Minnesota – no, it actually, it is very credible because I heard it on 32 Thoughts with Elliot Friedman. That is a credible source. Um, that said – Minnesota is one of the arenas that's always sort of been notorious for getting the goal knocked off. Mm-hmm. And then three times with scoring chances, I mean, it makes more sense that it would get knocked off with scoring chances because the goalie's moving around so much. But 
35 years we've had this sort of same technology with the pegs. Of course, it's better than the nine inch putting the net into the ground and then having people run into it and get injured. Of course, it's better than that. But I feel like there has to be some system where you can make a little more contact to the net and it can stay in place. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not going to say he egregiously cheated because I do believe that that this is a tactic that some goalies do do. Some do it cleaner than others. I'd imagine that goalies have purposely knocked off the net, you know, like once in a game to avoid a scoring chance or to get a stop itch or to, like, get a breather. But three times in one game is pretty bad. I haven't seen a I I haven't seen many games where where a goal has been knocked off three times when when the Wild had pretty prime scoring opportunities. Uh, I I watched the uh, video uh, over again and it's the only one on Twitter that I could find was was the overhead view of Murray and it's all three times compiled. Um, so I can see how people can argue that it was purposeful all three times. But to me, the only times that it really looked purposeful was yeah, the second time he did it because he's just standing there um, just watching the play happen behind the net. And he's just with his left arm and elbow, he just with his blocker side, he just shoves it off, like just standing perfectly still, just shoves it off the net with, with, with his arm. And I that. That looked really purposeful to me. It was the only time that it it looked clearly purposeful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the third time was kind of iffy. Uh, looks like he puts enough force on the net. It didn't look like he put enough force on the net to like warrant it to come off. And yeah. then the first time, I can see how people might think it, it was purposeful, but he, he's sliding over to make a save on on a two on one, and his his. His his blocker his not his blocker you know his his left knee pad is in the net and he kind of just picks it wildly and but I don't know I don't see I don't see how that one was purposeful either I think it was just like him not really knowing where he was but the only thing the only time that I thought was wildly egregious uh, was the second time. And, I mean, Leafs fans were defending him, but, you know, if an opposing goalie did that to them, Leafs fans would be fucking apoplectic. So, yes, I, I don't want to hear uh, Leafs fans <laughs> defending him. Um, but I also think it's strange that Matt Murray would do all three of the net knockoffs on purpose, especially because he's playing against Minnesota, not the greatest of teams. And Murray has kind of had – a bit of resurgence. I mean, he's looking kind of like his old, his old self. He's, he's, he's gotten four wins in his last four games, uh, posted a nine Oh nine save percentage. He's looking like the Matt Murray of old. And he's also gotten two wins against his former team, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, which is baffling to me because if any team should know how to score on Matt Murray, it's, it's the Penguins, but Mm -hmm. uh, the Matt Murray resurgence isn't exactly crazy. I mean, the Penguins in his last couple of seasons fired he fired the goalie coach that coached Murray during both of the cup runs. Then he goes to the Senators, and we all know how much of a putrid dump the Senators are. And I think he just needed to change his scenery and a competent defense, and that's that's what he's got. Yeah, I think we sat here at the beginning of the season in one of the first couple episodes, 
you were talking, welcome to the Matt Murray experience. Matt Murray is going to be terrible. And then he got injured and then mm-hmm. just completely turned it around. Right. I have no idea how he did it or sort of what happened. I mean, I don't follow the Leafs super closely. Right. But I do like to sort of keep tabs on the division. But I don't – I just sort of came out of nowhere, Matt Murray's – sort of turnaround so far this year. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely weird. Uh, I don't know. I've, I I really I really don't understand what how it happened, but it but it happened. I mean, I don't think it was a completely like 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 pretty bad take by us to say he was going to be bad because he looked bad his first start. But mm-hmm. Got injured, and that I thought that kind of spelled the end for him. But like you said, he he has bounced back nice. Yeah. Um. So to transition here again, terrible transition. Right. Um, transition is not our strong suit today. Yes, but um, Connor Bedard. So I'm just going to start by reading his stat line for the Regina Pats of the Western Hockey League. Um. Apparently, there's been trade rumors, but both Bedard's agent and the Regina general manager have said those are sort of unfounded, but in 27 games, he has 26 goals and 33 assists for 59 points. He is the consensus number one overall draft prospect. He's expected to go straight into the lineup of whatever team selects him. So as some people have sort of been noticing in the league that the tank might be on for certain teams. So I'm just going to go from the bottom of the league standings up and we can discuss whether you think these teams are in tank mode already or are trying to win and are just bad. So bottom of the league is the Anaheim Ducks. Trevor Zegers has not saved this team nearly as much as he needs to. They're currently sitting on 14 points through 24 games. This seemed like a team that, coming into the year was going to be sort of pushing for one of those last playoff spots in the Western Conference. So I'm not really sure what, even still, as they sit in 32nd, what to make of the Ducks. Uh, I mean, I honestly, I haven't looked at, like, the metrics that much. But on paper, I mean, they should be a good team. I mean, Zegers is, is, is one player. So... We shouldn't put all, all the blame on him, but besides besides Zegers, I mean, who 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 do they really have? Like, mm-hmm. like that that like has national name recognition. Uh, pretty much nobody. But I just think like it's definitely an issue with scoring. And then here yeah, I pulled their goalies up on Hockey Reference because I knew that John Gibson was was not. Um, great, and they're they're well above they're well below league average. Sorry, uh, John Gibson right now has an eight ninety four uh, save percentage, and Anthony Stolarz, who's the backup, has an eight eighty eight save percentage. So, I think the the one glaring issue that that you can look at is is goaltending, because they lost to Dallas five nothing um, on the first of December, and. They're giving up so many goals. They lost to Seattle f- four to five. They lost to Ottawa five to one. They 
somehow beat the Rangers three to two. Uh, that's just more on the Rangers being bad. But that Rangers win is actually their. I think it's just goalie. Yeah, that Rangers win, which was November twenty third. I believe. Let me double check. Yep, November twenty third. That was their first win in regulation of the year. Yeah, all I their previous five wins were in overtime. Yeah, I saw and something th- where they had like a record with like nineteen games, like without winning in regulation or something mm-hmm. crazy like that. Yeah, they still are yet to win a game by more than one goal. As we sit here on December third, they play Minnesota this afternoon, and then go to Winnipeg. I really don't see them winning either of those games. Mm-hmm. All right. And then next, second from bottom is the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, I mean, they're so they're so bad. But, like, uh, they really – I mean, it's just Taze and Kane, and they're both really old. And then a whole lot of nothing. And yeah. – I mean, and it's about to be a whole whole lot less of something once one of Kane Ortez gets traded at the deadline, which I imagine the Blackhawks are are going to do. Um, but I just, again, I think this is another issue with just like, it's just another Detroit Red Wings issue, but like, they're like way behind the Detroit Red Wings, obviously, because they've been trying, they were trying to compete with, with the core for a longer time than the, um, the Red Wings, uh, were. Yeah. It's, it was the Detroit Red Wings protect the streak and then it just all kind of collapsed because instead of doing like a decent rebuild, they had to keep being a mediocre team and just squeaking into the playoffs. But yeah. Chicago is nowhere near the playoffs is the problem. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I mean you're not gonna be good when Patrick Kane Patrick Kane has seventeen points, Max Domi sixteen, Jonathan Tays thirteen, and those are your top producers, and then there's just a steep uh decline with just we go from eleven and then the fifth guy, the fifth best uh, guy with the most points on the team is nine. Nine points is your fifth best. That's insane. That's not good. Yeah. It, I. There are problems in Chicago. They go well past the sort of roster building. Um, For reference right. on Boston, nine points is what our 11th best player has. That would be Charlie Coyle. And then, all right, I don't really have anything to say on Chicago. They're just bad. I don't see. The, actually, I do have something else to say, say on Chicago. Does Connor Bedard even help them? Mm, no, I don't think Connor Bedard helps them if they get rid of both Kane and Taze at the deadline. But I, I don't see a scenario where Connor Bedard doesn't go on any of these teams that are at the bottom, and I'm talking about the Ducks, Blackhawks, Coyotes, and Sharks. I don't think – or Ottawa. I don't think Connor Bedard goes on any of those teams and helps them initially. The only the only real team that I can see Connor Bedard going on and making an immediate impact and it's something that I don't want to have happen because they're in my division is the Columbus Blue Jackets. Mm-hmm. I think if yeah, he goes just on to the Columbus Blue this. Jackets, they're going to be lethal with Bedard. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, they already have the pieces in place, especially 
bringing in Johnny Goudreau in the offseason. Yeah, and we – I mean, we said it We said it um, in our first couple of podcasts, but we both said that we didn't think the Jackets were a Connor Bedard – I mean, we didn't think that the Blue Jackets were a Johnny Goudreau away from competing. I mean, I don't think either of us predicted that they were going to be as bad as they have been, but we didn't we, – we both knew that they weren't. Uh, Johnny Goudreau away from being competitive in the yeah, Metro. but but are they a Johnny Goudreau and a Connor Bedard and a defense signing in free and a big name defense signing in free agency away from being successful? I think they're a Bedard Goudreau line A and a good goalie signing away from that's fair, yeah, being competitive because I think the issue right now with them is just low production and and mm-hmm. goalies. Yeah, definitely. So then the question becomes, is tanking in the National Hockey League a problem? There's been a lot of discussion in other sports, especially basketball, mm-hmm. about tanking. But do you think it's a problem in the NHL? That I personally um, do not think that tanking is a problem in the NHL. I think that teams there's there's been one team that has been consistently tanking and that's that's the coyotes um as far as tanking as a problem no because the only team that's been actively tanking for a long time like i just said is the coyotes uh i can't remember the last time they're remotely competitive but as far as the others go the ducks sharks blue jackets and blackhawks they've all been good in recent memory and by recent memory i'm talking the last five years um, but I don't think that tanking is a problem because the NHL doesn't reward it. The Coyotes have been so bad for so long because of their inability to get a marquee prospect due to their tanking. Mm-hmm. Well, was it due to their tanking or was it due to Combine cheating and losing their picks? Um, no, I don't think so because the, the Coyotes have been the Coyotes have been actively putrid dog shit for like ten years, the last mm-hmm. decade. So they could have gotten, they could have gotten, imagine if we had, imagine if we had like, if imagine if the NHL didn't have a draft lottery, they just did it like, they did it like the NFL and the worst team got the best pick. The Coyotes would have had the best pick 10 years straight. Yeah. Almost like the first or second or third best pick. And like I said, like, I don't think tanking is an issue because Blackhawks have won cups in recent memory. The Ducks have made it to the playoffs in recent memory with Pedro. Um, the Blue Jackets have made the playoffs in recent memory. The Sharks have made a cup. Ottawa made it to the ECF. So all these teams that are bad right now, I don't think have been actively bad for a long time. Yeah, it's definitely a cyclical issue. Other than Arizona, and maybe you can make an argument about Buffalo, but they're looking to be trending up right now. Yeah, yeah. I don't think – even when Buffalo was – bad i don't think they were actively tanking i think they were just bad because they didn't have anybody Mm -hmm. like with jack eichel i feel like when they had eichel they were trying to be competitive you know with with taylor hall and all these uh but it's the buffalo is just weird because i feel like there's an epley run which doesn't make a lot of sense because the Mm -hmm. same guy who owns the sabers owns the buffalo bills and the bills used to be an epley run but now the bills are bills are good so I just think it's an issue with with the owner of the Sabres wanting to be more hands-on than, than he actually should be because he started to get 
less and less hands-on with the bills and now the bills you know yeah really are really so good. maybe that should be somewhat of a signal to him that maybe being hands-off for the buffalo savers will let him have a successful hockey team yeah and However, again, his name is pagula and he's a dope so yeah and, and then again with the sabers to just i just to like even back up my point that i don't think they've been actively tanking they were good at the beginning of the last season they were hot and they were good at the beginning of this season and they were hot they just kind of like peter out for like n- no reason like no apparent mm-hmm. reason whatsoever just peter so, out for months at a time and then i know like you'll start off you'll start off like really really good and then and then just absolutely uh fizzle out and speaking of starting out really good i just want to commend you for your spot on take about the flyers with Tortorella being <laughs> oh, yeah. for like the first six games and then them just being horrible. Yeah. yeah. But just good enough that it takes them out of the race for Bedard. Yeah. I just think, Oh my God, I, I hate Tortorella so much. And so like when they did, when they did that, like in between the bench interview with him and then they were like, what, what's the problem right now? He's like, we're trash. We're not good. And he just <laughs> takes off the headset. I was like, yeah, I couldn't have said it yeah. better myself. You guys are bad. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, if, if Philadelphia had the first pick, they probably wouldn't have drafted Bedard anyway. They would have done something stupid. Cough, cough, cold, cough, field, cough, cough, Cam York. <laughs> yeah. I saw a video. It was from some bar in Philadelphia during the draft, and then Batman gets up and goes, the Philadelphia Flyers select from the U.S. National Team Development Program, and then, like, everyone's cheering, and then he just goes, Cam York, and everyone's like, what the <laughs> fuck? Uh, the Flyers, yeah. another ineptly run organization. That's why everyone wants uh, – who owns them? It's Comcast, right? Or I think they want whoever owns them to sell the team. I know that. Yeah. All right, now back up to the top of the standings, and we're sitting here, we're after Thanksgiving, we're into December now, but I feel like some of these teams at the top still have some doubts about them, so this segment is just, are these teams for real, or are they not? So we start with the Boston Bruins, 19-3 and thus far. It's been an incredibly hot start, but do you eight six eight sixty four points percentage? But do you think they can sustain it? I mean, nineteen and three, they're really good. I don't, I don't think they're gonna, I don't think they're gonna be like, uh, like, like the Tampa Bay Lightning type, like really good like that. But as of right mm-hmm. now, they look really good. And honestly, like, who would have thought they were gonna be as good as they were, and how how good they have been playing. Uh, they've been playing well above league average as far as metrics go. And I haven't really seen a game where they've been like outplayed a lot. So yeah, I would say they're for real. Uh, they probably are cup favorites, but I don't think they'll win the cup this year. Uh, and another big reason why you guys are as good as you are is because you have one of the best goalie tandems in the league. Swayman and Allmark are just brick walls standing on their heads as far as goalie tandems go. Like, one of the best right now and i do think they can make a deep run in the playoffs Mm -hmm. i mean right now we're on pace for 71 wins i do not see 71 wins but i do see still contending for winning the division i don't i think winning the division is definitely a real possibility at this point i even go so far as to say it's likely given that the only team Mm -hmm. that's really 
somewhat competing with us is Toronto. Mm-hmm. And like they're Toronto. Right. So definitely winning the division is feasible. Yeah. I'm not sure how this team will respond when we get to when we get to the spring, when we get to play a hockey. I right. still don't really know if the team is built that way. Mm-hmm. Because we've had instances with players, and this has especially been notable with Jake DeBrusque, who has just disappeared in the postseason. Mm-hmm. It's even happened with David Posternock at times. So I'm still not ready to say this is a team who's going to be successful when we get to playoff time. Yeah, I just think there's like a come-to-Jesus moment for like every team in the National Hockey League, especially when they're when they're that hot. You don't want to you don't want to peak too early. And I think the 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 one issue that I would have as a Bruins fan is just thinking in the back of my head is, are we peaking too early? Are we going to go into the playoffs, you know, slow? Are we not, are we going to not keep this up? Because if you're, if you're playing this good for a long time, for how long you have been playing there, there has to be a, an area where you start to slow down and you don't want mm-hmm. that area to be right before we're getting into playoff hockey. Yeah. That's why, honestly, I always wouldn't mind if we slowed down a bit now because then we still have time to build momentum back up. We get to yeah, because, because if there's a lot of things that I know about the – if there's a lot of things that I know, one thing that I know about uh, playing really good at the beginning of the season is that, especially with the Penguins, they'll play an absolute goose egg come spring and then we get slow into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, apologies if you're hearing the train noise outside. A big train just came by and is and decided to lay on the horn for a solid twenty seconds. So that's a Tennessee moment. Not, that's honestly a Tennessee moment. It is a Tennessee moment. All right. Next is the New Jersey Devils. They go from Channing to Fire Lindy to a thirteen-game heater, <laughs> and are currently sitting in first place in the National Hockey League, thirty-nine points, nineteen wins from their twenty-four games, mm-hmm. eight twelve point percentage. Is this is this a sustainable playoff team? Not necessarily uh, a playoff team, but successful playoff uh, team. I, th- I think the Devils are because of this streak a playoff team. Um, but again, like I said, every time your team has a streak, you're sort of watching them. Like, yeah, but there has to be a comeback to earth moment, right? And mm-hmm. as far as the Devils go, uh, there hasn't really been that comeback to earth moment. I thought their comeback to earth moment was going to be the the game where they play against Toronto. They got three goals disallowed. Fans started throwing shit onto the ice. I thought that was going to be their comeback to earth moment. Lost that game. Got right back up on the horse. To, rattled off two more wins. Um, but right now, like nothing about this team seems seems fake to me. If that makes any sense, mm-hmm. but. I don't understand what got into Vitek Vanacek. Uh, Capitals fans must be like banging their head in a brick wall right now. Uh, he's absolutely just been off the off the charts good. Nine eighteen saves percentage. Um, but again, as a guy who is in the, who lives in the Washington area, who's watched the Penguins play Vitek Vanacek a couple of times, uh, I don't buy. <laughs> I don't. I don't buy in that. <laughs> I don't buy in that Vitek Vanacek's a um play right now is is indicative of what he can do in the long term i think it's just him playing well above his head right now so i'm not going to completely buy into the devils yet as a as a cup 
uh, favorite or yeah. maybe even a playoff favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just – even though we've gone from Lindy Ruff getting chance to be fired to Chance saying sorry, I still don't know if Lindy Ruff is a coach who's going to be successful with this New Jersey team when we get to playoff time. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if – I mean, when you look at the Metropolitan Division – Carolina is eight points back. The Islanders are nine points back. Pittsburgh is 11 points back and the Rangers 12. I mean, I don't really see any sort of competition for New Jersey. So I think it's going to be easy for them to sort of take their foot off the gas Uh when we get into say March, April. But the problem there being when you take your foot off the gas, it's very hard to put it back on when you get into a playoff series. Yeah. So I always worry about them not being challenged. Yeah. Which is crazy to say that New Jersey is going to have trouble being challenged in the Metro this year coming into the season. But that's kind of where we're sitting right now. Mm-hmm. All right. The um, Vegas Golden Knights. Bruce Cassidy comes in to the team this year. 17 7 1 so far, 700 points percentage, leading the Pacific Division. Yeah, I mean, like I said previously, like we both said previously, this is this is Vegas's all-in year, and it should damn well be the year they make a run if they're going to yeah. make a run. Uh, if they were bad this year, that would be an absolute insane tragedy, and you have to blow it all up. But you know, they're in, they're in cap hell, so you you kind of hope they make a run. Um, they have a lot of old players on the roster with Phil Kessel, and absolutely no prospects in the bank right now. But yeah, I do. I do think the Knights are for real. I, I was ecstatic when the Penguins beat them. Um, I think they might need to shore up the goalie position. Maybe go after one at the deadline. Uh, I don't know, but I I do think they look they look really good. The problem is, I feel like Vegas is in a position with the cap where they don't have the room to go get a goalie at the deadline. Yeah, I mean that could that could end up being an issue. And that that is the the one issue they're going to have in in the playoffs, I think. Um, but yeah, as of right now, they look they look really good. And if they don't win the cup this year, uh, as a Vegas fan, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what you do after. I literally, if I'm Vegas's GM, I have I have no clue what I'm doing if we don't at least make a deep playoff run this year well the answer is you're getting fired but yeah <laughs> yeah i just look at this vegas team and i just say if not now then when because you're in a position with the cap where even if you blow it up you're still going to be ass for the next three years yeah. at least yeah like so we I said just... we we've we've made it we've made the comment before like they got they got false hope that 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 cup run was 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 not was not a fluke and now this is the the hole that they've dug themselves into and it's weird to be saying that with a team playing as as well as they have been playing but it's the truth mm-hmm. yeah right next is everyone's favorite team the Toronto Maple Leafs 15 um, 5 and 5 being carried to their high point total by Duncan's favorite, the loser point. We've talked about that in a prior episode. 
But yeah, is this the, is this the year that Toronto can make it out of the first round? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. Um, the Leafs. You know, again, I I've said this before. I just I don't I don't trust that team at all. I, I don't know what they're gonna need to do for me to be like, yeah, you guys are definitely a shoe in. But I just I just can't buy into the Leafs because every time you think the Leafs are turning a new leaf, no pun intended, uh, they just go out and they, they stab you in the heart and they're like, no, nah, we're just going to – you think we're good this time. We're going to lose in even more heartbreaking fashion than you can even imagine. Like last year they were really good in the regular season and you're like, oh, they have a fighting chance against the Lightning. And then they did and then they – it went to a game seven you're like it's game seven on home ice like this is this is it and then they're like nah but we're gonna lose in the most absurd fashion possible and they did and they, they always did. we're gonna they, take they always yeah. find a way to do it we're gonna take a one goal lead and but then we're gonna have it get overturned yeah <laughs> yeah i just i'll say i'll say i i I want to say sure. I want to say yes. This is the time they get out of the first round. But I don't I don't trust Matt Murray in the playoffs at all. Uh again, this is just coming back to me being a Penguins fan. When we had Murray, Murray was absolutely solid in the regular season. Um and then would just disappear just disappear. He disappeared in the uh Mickey Mouse COVID series against the um against the Canadians and then he disappeared in the next series against uh, the Islanders. And I just playoff Matt Murray, other than the two playoff runs that we made is, is, is not a subject that I want to remember or talk about. Yes. I trust Matt Murray. I trust him to go three and three in the first six games and then lose game seven. Um, and I trust the Steve Dangle video to be incredibly funny. I just, <laughs> yeah, I just think like, <laughs> that I is what like, I trust. I just think like your goalies are Matt Murray, who's standing like just playing well above his playing well above his pay grade right now, and um, Ilya Samsonov, who nothing nothing special about him. The cap shipped him off of his after a season for a reason, and Chaligrin, who's a fringe AHL NHL player. So I just, I just. I can't really, I can't really buy into being very confident this year about about them. Yeah, I agree. And then we'll just discuss one more team: the Seattle Kraken. Mm-hmm. Thirty-three points from twenty-three games, mm-hmm. despite Shane Wright being whatever he's being with Ron Francis's decisions. Currently in Coachella Valley, then he'll probably go to the World Juniors, and then God knows what. Mm-hmm. But do you, do you trust Seattle to stay oh. in the Pacific oh. Division? <laughs> no, no, no. I think they're they're in a bit of a, a Vegas Golden Knights syndrome, which is like they're kind of fluking their way into being good because I, I definitely don't think Seattle is is real at all. Uh, they're into the, this position because they're winning. They're winning, but why? Why are they winning? How are they winning? There isn't there isn't a lot of talent on the team at all as far as skill players go. 
and their coach is a buffoon, uh, and so is the GM, and and Grubauer is a horrible goalie. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know why they're winning. They're they're winning somehow, but no, I, I don't trust this team at all because they don't have the players, the GM, or the coach that's like, yeah, you're the reason why I have confidence in this team. I just I can't, I can't buy into him at all. Yeah. When you look at this, when you look at the stats for this team and then you see that first place in points is Andre Burakovsky, you're just like, how are they winning? Yeah. I just, it doesn't, it doesn't, make, any it sense. doesn't make sense. Yeah. And then like I, you're chilling and then you see them like beat the Kings like nine to eight. Like, what are you, do- <laughs> what are you doing? How are you giving up eight goals to the, you're like, how are you giving up eight goals to the Kings? But how are you scoring nine goals? Yeah. Like, <sighs> it doesn't make sense. The, the Seattle Kraken do not make sense. I do not see them as a playoff team this year or anytime soon for that matter. No. No. Yes. Especially with the Shane Wright um, issue, whatever the fuck it is going on right now. Service time manipulation. Is, is service time manipulation is, is that a thing? Is that a thing? <laughs> in the NHL, well, I mean, they they so they don't want to burn a year of his rookie contract, right? Is why they're playing all these shenanigans. But they can't right. just send him to the AHL because of the rule they have with the CHL. But mm-hmm. they don't want to send him back to the Kingston front of Axe because Kingston is really bad. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It is what it is. Yes. All right, so now we can move on to our game picks. I am 10 points clear now, 15-3-2. and two. Right. <laughs> You're at 10-8-2. and two. But we'll have five more opportunities for you to close that gap. So yep. we start Monday night with the Washington Capitals heading into Edmonton. Washington's had a very slow start to the year, but – Edmonton has sort of been relying on McDavid to keep them afloat. Mm-hmm. On Monday, I will be 21. So I am legally taking all of these picks that I'm making right now to the bank. I am legally betting them. Um, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm, I'm probably not going to do that. <laughs> um, but, like, I think, in my opinion, the Capitals are, are much like the Penguins. Uh in my opinion, hanging on to an aging core. But unlike the Penguins, they're injured to hell and back, and we've discussed this multiple times on the pod before. And I'm going to do what I think, as of right now, is a bit of a hot take. I don't know exactly how hot the take is going to be, but the Caps, your window's shut. Uh, lock the doors. You're not you're not doing like anything as of note. The only thing that, that the Capitals are right now is a vehicle – for Ovechkin to break Gretzky's goal scoring record. I don't think yeah. I don't think the Capitals are even even if you get all those guys back, I mean you're getting an aging backstrom off of a what what most people would consider a, a career uh ending um injury. Uh but yeah. Uh just not a whole lot of uh, more analysis that I have uh, other than the fact that the Caps just not good at all. So I think, I think the Oilers are going to win this one, despite, you know, having, having kind of leveled out this season. Yeah. So 
on pretty much any other podcast on Lovecast you can listen to. You will get tons of betting advice, everyone's bets. Our advice is pretty simple. Do not bet on the NHL. You will lose all of your money, no matter yeah, how Yeah, and I did say that at the beginning. So if you guys are all making fun of me for being bad, I said, I said, I'm not <laughs> I'm predicting NHL, NHL scores. I mean, Jack is pretty much fucking Nostradamus, so he could probably bet on, on NHL games, but... I honestly don't um, know how you've been able to get like you're you're fucking crazy accurate with your picks. It's insane. Yeah, um, I'm taking Edmonton as well because I just think that when if you say McDavid and Ovechkin are a wash, and then you just look at the rest of the roster, it's abundantly clear that Edmonton is a better team. Yeah. All right. Then we moved to Tuesday where. The Toronto Maple Leafs head to Dallas, take on the Stars. Dallas, another team who's had a pretty hot start, 14-6-4 mm-hmm. on the year. I just got a scam text about Taylor Swift tickets, and I don't trust it. Um, so I think that – I still think that Toronto is the better team. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Even if I'm wrong, I'm pretty much guaranteed at least one point because I'll get the loser point because that's what Toronto does. So – for that reason, I'm going to Tor- I'm going for Toronto. Yeah. So uh, again, like you said, uh, two very entertaining teams have been good as of late. Uh, both teams have seemingly hit their stride just about uh, the right time. But I think that I trust the Dallas Stars to win this one more. Um, they've been scoring a lot, and I mean a lot of goals. And I don't think the Leafs are, pre- are prepared to play a high-scoring game. So I think mm-hmm. the Stars win this one in a in a blowout. Maybe a hot take, but I think they win in a blowout. Four to one, lock it in. Yes. All right. I'll, I'll even make a note on here, four to one. We'll see if... Okay, and then I get 10 points if they win four to one. Sure. Let's go. No, okay. I don't have to get. I don't have to get that many points. No, I'll. I'll also make a score prediction, and if I hit it, I'll give myself ten points. No, but you're, you're <laughs> fucking blowing me out. <laughs> All right. Well, um, Buffalo and Columbus Wednesday night. Columbus has been bad. Buffalo's been slightly better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you're shrugging your shoulders right now. Uh, it's the same thing for me. Uh, it's essentially a toss-up game. Uh. <laughs> you do a you do a good job of, of picking like you always you always do like four pretty good games and you put in like let's and then we'll let's, just let's have her. us let's have us analyze like the shittiest game possible. So you do a good job of doing yeah. that. Uh, I thought about having us pick another Anaheim San Jose matchup, but no. I decided against that <laughs> That's one. Even worse. That's even worse. That's even more of a toss up. Um, so, so yeah, like I said, it's a toss up game. Uh, I don't care about the Sabers. Uh, they are less bad. Uh, and they played their last couple games against good teams real close, only lost Tampa by a goal, only lost to the Avalanche by two goals, and the Blue Jackets just look like absolutely putrid dog shit. So I'm going to take Buffalo. All right. So here's the deal. I spoke with a Buffalo Sabres fan last night okay. with the club hockey team. Mm-hmm. He said, it's December. The Sabres are turning a corner. We're definitely going to go on a run in December. The so hottest take known to man. The hottest take known to man. And he specific <laughs> and he specifically said we're gonna go on a heater. We have some easy games coming up, including San Jose and Columbus. 
Mm-hmm. That is true. So the thing is, because he said they were going to win against Columbus, then I have to take Columbus, right? <laughs> I just fight him. Yeah. I do think I. Tage Thompson is a. I hate picking against Tage Thompson because he's a good mm-hmm. player. But I just think that Columbus, despite how bad they're being, do have somewhat of a decent D line, mm-hmm. which is very important when playing against a player like Thompson. Mm-hmm. So for that reason, I'll I'll take Columbus. I'll take the upset. Okay. I mean, is it really an upset? I mean, they're both dog shit. So they're both really bad. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And then the um, Gerard Gallant Bowl. The Rangers heading to Vegas mm-hmm. Wednesday night. The Ranger, Rangers have started very slow. Yeah, so what in the fucking world has gotten into New York Rangers? I mean, a lot of things went right for them last year, sure. I mean, Kreider scored like a career high. Uh, Sturkin uh, stood on his head. Um, I, I just – I don't understand what's – I don't understand, like, like last last season a lot of stuff went right for them. Um, and I thought, you know, I bought in at the beginning of the season once they, once they beat the Lightning and continued their hot start that they were going to be uh, world beaters. But they started to, you know, kind of teeter off. And they've teetered off because Shesterkin, who's still playing really, really good hockey, is not standing on his head like he was last season. He posted a 935 save percentage throughout his entire um, season last season. He's playing great still, uh, 913 best than most players uh, uh, goalies in his position um but yeah they're coming off a loss to ottawa they they kind of don't really have an identity right now uh, i also saw this quote from shesterkin being like i'm ashamed by the way i'm playing i'm like dude relax you're you're playing pretty good you're playing you're playing really good there's a lot of goalies that would kill to have a 913 save percentage but yeah, I just you got the Rangers got a loser point, and that's kind of how that's kind of another reason why the Rangers were were in the playoffs uh, last season, which was just these these one goal games that they just play for overtime. I think the Rangers had like thirty overtimes last season, and I think the Knights have just been really good. We talked about the Knights earlier, so I don't have enough. I don't have like any more input to put on the Knights, but. I think I think the Knights are probably going to take this one. Yeah, um, I I see Vegas winning as well. I think it'll. I still think somehow it'll be a one goal game. Mm-hmm. I'll take four three in regulation. Four three in regulation. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I don't think the I don't think Vegas is going to put up four goals. I'm just joking. I think it's probably going to be like three to two. I mean that's also a possibility, but I feel like three to Eichel's... two, two to one. Yeah, Eichel's had a good start though. Yeah, I, mean, goals. I guess. What happened could... to Eichel? I saw he was wearing like this big ass face mask and had a black eye. I haven't heard about that. I don't know. Like he was, I was watching the highlights of the Penguins game because I was at I was at work when they played Vegas, and he just had like this big black eye and full face shield. I was like, what happened? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't really know what to make of it. And then Friday night, Detroit and Florida. Paul Maurice's Florida Panthers have not been doing well. 
and I'm a I'm a guy who likes Paul Maurice as a coach a lot, especially mm-hmm. when he was in Winnipeg. But I don't I really don't know what's up with this Florida team. Mm-hmm. Kachuk's mm-hmm. come in, and he's he's done well, but he hasn't been sort of a world beater or anything. Right. But I still think that Detroit's not strong enough to win this game, especially in Florida, with that great Florida Panthers crowd support that we all know and love. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, yeah, so I'll take the Florida Panthers. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Again, I don't have a whole lot more analysis to add than than you just did. But the Panthers, sure, they're not like they've been mediocre. They haven't been. We're we're saying they're bad because they haven't been the, the Panthers that we expected them to be, but they're mediocre. Uh, they're not they're not like horrible like the the Red Wings are. So, uh, just I don't see how they lose this one. They're they're coming off of a dominating win over Vancouver, who just like the Red Wings are pretty bad. Uh, they beat Vancouver five to one. So I don't think they should have a problem beating the Red Wings. Yeah. So, those are the picks for this upcoming week. Um, so thank you for listening. We should be pretty consistent going forward, especially yeah. now that winter break's coming up. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, thanks everyone listening, listening, uh, again, uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, Sundays are, are most likely, uh, not Sunday Sundays when we are, are, are when we're going to record going forward and then. Monday is when you guys will hear it. So that should hopefully be the schedule coming up. And again, should be easier for us because next week for me is, is break essentially because I don't have, I don't have any finals. So. Yeah. Those, uh, those communication and journalism finals, I'm sure are. <laughs> I have a final project. I have a final project that's being a pain in my ass right now. But uh, other than that, I I don't have any uh, finals. Do you have any finals? I I have two finals, but I they could both be taken online. So I'm actually going home yeah, yeah, on Friday. Yeah, both of yeah yeah my uh, one of my finals is also online. But again, one once again, everybody, uh, thank you for tuning in. And we'll see you next time.